Welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. What's up? How are you? Oh, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) I got a little bit of a headache, which I hope goes away very soon. I think it will. Ha! Ah, Not so loud. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, the tables have turned. Ashley gets headaches all the time. I get headaches like once every six months <laughs> or like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> once every two years like so i feel like i've gotten a more as i've gotten older it's those hormones yeah i'm becoming an old lady <laughs> well you're a ghost already so yeah no i think it's because i've been looking i've been looking at my my eyes hurt i was looking at my screen like all day yesterday so whatevs <laughs> mm. <laughs> whatevs <What> <laughs> Well, we are not here to talk about our problems, but yet we are here to talk about our problems on this podcast, because what is this podcast? Oh, yeah. It's a romantic comedy prod. Yeah, that's what this podcast is. Wow. (laughs) Deep. If you understand that, you have been here since forever. Mm -hmm. I've been here since forever. The people know. They know what this podcast (laughs) is. (laughs) Watch romantic comedies, chronological order, damn, bam, bam. Bam. That's it. <laughs> Talk about Lego Batman. Yeah, and we work in the film industry. Pal Joey. Matt. Pal <laughs> Joey. We like classic movies and indie darlings, and romance really isn't our thing, but we're doing it. <laughs> Cary Grant. Swoon. Swoon. <laughs> okay, uh, so today we watched 2004's Mean Girls. Yeah! We have been back, at least in 2003, we did like a couple like high school movies. Mm-hmm. What a Girl Wants, Love Don't Cost a Thing. But I feel like it's been a while, right? Yeah, they took a little break. Yeah, because I feel like we normally try to cover high school movies, but I don't think high school movies, they were on their way out, I think, in like 2001. With like, you know, center stage. And before that was like Coyote Ugly. And before that was um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. But now it's like the new class, 2004. Like the earlier ones, that was when I was in high school. Now it's when you were in high school. You get a whole new crop of (laughs) high school movies. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So it's very interesting to think about where we are in the time and place and 2004 fashion. (laughs) This was like peak my high school experience. Mm. We mentioned this on the last episode, but I had never seen Mean Girls. Yes. Uh, But now I'm like, I've seen it and I'm like, well, I already knew all the jokes. (laughs) I'm like, it very much has invaded our pop culture. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very much. I enjoyed watching this from a more analytical like because it's one of those that you kind of go back and you're always watching on television because it's like this nostalgia thing it's like oh back when back when things were so simple Mm -hmm. when we were so worried about rachel mcadams wig (laughs) and you snatching them (laughs) (laughs) well the info description on imdb is as thus Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics, the A-list girl click at her new school until she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of alpha plastic Regina George. That is not what the movie is about (laughs) at all. Really? Well, yeah, I get that. Because like reading that, putting that down, I was like, oh, I didn't. 
think that this movie was about a boy. Like, nobody ever gives that impression yeah. when, like, thinking about it or describing it to me in, in my pre-Mean Girls life. I never got, yeah, the impression that it's about a guy. What do you think, Ashley? So Tina Fey actually was reading a parenting book and got inspired by it to yeah. write this movie. The Queen Bees and, and Wannabes. Yeah, Queen Bees and Wannabes. And she wanted to put it in a context that would be educational for or educational and entertaining for girls to understand that the cliques and everything in high school are not the end all be all and what we're so worried what girls are so worried about in high school and what they're doing to themselves is actually damaging to themselves and so she wanted to make a a commentary on that mhm it's about girls figuring out that they don't have to fight each other or dumb themselves down for guys or not be who they want to be yeah it's the for the line, why are you so obsessed with me? I think it's the why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, we're such scholars. <laughs> we could teach a class on Mean Girls. Hire us. Oh my God. <laughs> so getting into it, this movie stars Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, and Tina Fey. It was directed by Mark Waters and written by Tina Fey, as you said, based off of that book. The Editor, oh, this is the part that took me long. <laughs> the editorial department on this is the part that took me the longest to write our script today. <laughs> Here we go. The editor was Wendy Green Brickmont, who edited Annie Hall, and it's uh, her first editing credit on IMDb. The additional editor was Dana E. Glauberman. The first assistant film editor was Saul Salado. Chris Cole was the first assistant editor for The Avid and was also the assistant editor on Working Girl. Look at him. Russell Langlyle. Lang... Langill? Langile. Or Langile. <laughs> oh. Langile. <laughs> Russell. <laughs> Russell got a name. <laughs> Russell Langile was his second assistant editor. Gina Bleeber, Blear, 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 Blear. Gina Blear is the assistant editor who was also first assistant editor on Reality Bites and assistant editor on As Good As It Gets. Three other assistant editors were Brian Day, Robert Doyle, and Chaz Hollis. The assistant editor in Canada, where they shot this, was Doug Karen, and the assistant film editor in Canada was David Tarnowski, who was the assistant editor for, in Toronto for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh my god, so many people. <sighs> this movie is not like a big movie like during production, so it surprises mm -hmm. me that there were this many people in editorial. Because they shot in Toronto, but then they also did like exteriors in Chicago, right? Yeah. To do, yeah. So I think they're just locational. Okay. Probably. That would make sense. L.A., Chicago, Toronto, all the assistant editors all over the world. International. Mm-hmm. This movie was an hour and 37 minutes. It was rated PG-13 for sexual content, language, and some teen partying. Sure. I read a lot in the trivia of how it got edited down in the writing to go from an R rating to PG-13. Yeah. 
It has a 7 out of 10 IMDb rating and a 66 Metascore. So above average. And it was nominated for awards in all sorts of fun categories and shows like the MTV Movie Awards and Kids Choice Awards. But I wanted to highlight the 2014 Choice Awards where it got a buttload of nominations. (laughs) I remember this. Yeah? Yeah, I remember this. (laughs) I'm going to start out. Oh, yeah, this is the one you remember because it goes choice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to start out with the nominees. It was nominated choice breakout movie star female Rachel McAdams for this and for The Notebook. Same year. Mm -hmm. Choice breakout movie star male Jonathan Bennett. Choice movie fight slash action sequence. Choice movie chemistry, Lindsay Lohan and Jonathan Bennett. Choice movie sleazebag, what a category, Rachel McAdams. Choice movie liar, Lindsay Lohan. Choice movie blush, Rachel McAdams. I don't want, I don't know what that category is about. Choice movie hissy fit, Rachel McAdams. Choice movie actress comedy, Rachel McAdams. And choice movie comedy. Now it won choice breakout movie star female Lindsay Lohan for this and Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen and Freaky Friday. Choice movie blush went to Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) Still don't know what that category means. And Lindsay Lohan won choice movie actress comedy for this movie. It's ingrained in our pop culture. Yeah. You know, I also haven't seen The Notebook. (laughs) Oh, I didn't write on here. You know that Mean Girls has a direct-to-video or direct-to-freeform sequel. Yes, yes. I've never seen it. Uh, It also had a Broadway musicale. Written by Tina Fey as well. Yep. You know I love Broadway musicals, but I tend to avoid them if I haven't like seen the movie or something like that. So I have been semi-avoiding Mean Girls the musical, except for one song which is Janice's song in Act 2, which mm-hmm. is really good. Have you heard it? I've heard the whole CD. Yeah? The whole album. Yeah. How are the jams? I really like what they... Because they've changed it. They've updated it for for the modern day, for the modern teen. Um, so mm-hmm. they've added in um, scenes with text messaging and instead of like the, the uh, three-way calling um, stuff that, that they do in the movie, it's through text message, like secret text messages or secret e- I don't remember it's something yeah. I don't know how they do it in the play because I haven't seen the musical but I'm very interested to see how they cover some of them the songs are I think really pretty good yeah I feel like and I want to talk about like Janice's character later on probably at the end but I feel like they just listening to her, her song that I want to be me yeah right is I feel like a lot different from what actually happened in the movie I feel like her storyline got really cut down. Mm -hmm. Tina Fey said that she really connected and wrote Janice and Damien's character from the point of view of her and her best friend in in high school and college. So I feel like there's a lot more depth and maybe they do flesh it out. I'm Actually, I'm sure they flesh it out more in the the musical because there's a lot more time. Mm -hmm. And I think they kind of took the criticisms of the movie where the movie heavily focuses on Lindsay Lohan's character, 
but we don't necessarily need that fo like that one yeah. pointed focus. Yeah, that I feel like I have criticisms and they revolve around that too. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm like right <laughs> on track. <laughs> <laughs> time to like get in my time machine and go to 2004. Open a newspaper. <laughs> don't worry, guys. Tina will fix it in the musical. <laughs> yes. That's what I really like and appreciate about Tina Fey in general. She doesn't say, oh, well, my writing is what it is. It's perfect the way it is. This is the story I wanted to tell. No, she genuinely understands and respects where that criticism is coming from. Because mm-hmm. I feel like she did the same thing with Kimmy Schmidt. Mm. Like with the Native American stuff. She got flack for that the first time around. Yeah. And then for the later seasons. Yeah, it, she changed it a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I love Kimmy Schmidt. (laughs) Okay, you ready to dive into the movie? Yes, let's do it. So we start out the movie, Katie's Big Day. (laughs) First day of school for a 16-year-old. It's her first day of public school because she has been living in Africa with her parents who are research zoologists. But now she's back in the States in Evanston because her mom has got tenure at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm picking it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I like that it's set in Chicago because Tina Fey yeah. wanted to like pay homage to Chicago. Like, I just like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> as you do. She is at school. It's full of riotous high schoolers. And uh, immediately she goes to her first class and she's trying to find a seat and she semi meets Janice and Damien who are like, you can't sit there, you can't sit there, you don't want to sit there. So she gets a little flustered, but then immediately like bumps into Tina Fey who spills her coffee all over herself and like takes off her shirt and the principal's there. Uh, It's awkward. And we get our narration. It's narrated through the whole thing, but I don't mind the narration in this because it's very teen movie classic. When I feel like it's very pointed. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that there was like an additional scene. Like this was her talking to when she confesses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that's kind of always what I got the vibe for. Yeah. She's like, first day of school was a blur. I kept on getting in trouble for all these things. I don't know why. I can't go to the bathroom. I don't have any friends. (laughs) Everybody's yelling at me. (laughs) Adults don't trust me. Right. So she eats lunch in the bathroom because she has nowhere to sit and goes home upset. Next day of school, she talks to Janice and Damien and asks them where G14 is. And they're like, oh, it's in the the back back building. The back building. Yeah. So they like take her out past like the the field. And she's just like, hey, what's up? She's like, and Janice is like, oh, we're skipping (laughs) because we're friends. So Katie in her head is like, I don't know these people, but I definitely need friends right now. Yes. So she joins them and skips health class, which the point of health class first day is says don't have sex. Don't have sex at the missionary position. Don't have you sex. You will get pregnant up. and die. <laughs> now everybody take some rubbers. <laughs> They're outside hanging out and they see the plastics at gym class, which the plastics comprise of Regina George and her two lackeys, who are Karen and Gretchen, Gretchen Wieners. Her hair is full of secrets. Let's see. We have a little montage of people talking about Regina George, how infamous she is, I guess. 
Then we have like Katie's guide to the to the cafeteria and all the clicks. I feel like the click thing wasn't as over the top perhaps as it was in Clueless and 10 Things I Hate About You for a movie that's directly speaking about clicks. I feel like they were there, but it was subtle enough to where a high schooler would recognize them as clicks. Mm-hmm. But it's specifically talking about breaking down breaking down the click, the click hierarchy. So you have to start at the top to break them down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I did appreciate the movie for, it did have a better representation of diversity in high school. I was gonna say that. Like, (laughs) this is the most diverse movie, teen movie, I think we've ever watched. Yeah. We've ever seen. In the history of ever. Ever. Ever, (laughs) ever. (laughs) This is crazy. I'm like, wow. There's like all people of color. There's people in wheelchairs. There's there was like a, a young woman with uh, dwarfism. Mm-hmm. Like so many people. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was a conscious decision because it's supposed to be a representation of any any high school. Even though they've specifically set the state and and the place, they are saying you can find yourself in yeah. this. So okay, so Katie's at lunch and she gets stopped by Jason. Yeah. Who's being very pervy to her, but he stops her in front of the plastics table. So Regina saves her from this and then asks her to sit down and then is like really intrigued by her. Like, hey, how come I don't know you? And is like really, really nice to her. And so far, all she's heard about Regina is from Janice saying that she's really, really evil, nasty. Gretchen says uh, that Katie's bracelet is so fetch and they invite Katie to have lunch with them for the rest of the week. And on Wednesdays, they wear pink. Yep. (laughs) Trying to get in all of the references. On Wednesday, we wear pink. Katie's like, okay. And then goes and talks to Janice about it. And Janice is like, you have to do it. You need to be a spy. And Katie's like, why do you hate Regina George? And at this point, Janice is like, why not? (laughs) Damien, can we not? She's Regina, yeah. Or Danny DeVito, I love your work. That's that scene. I love that scene. (laughs) Right after that, we learn that Katie has a math class crush. His name is Aaron Samuels. (laughs) So when when she has lunch with the plastics and they're all wearing their pink... With her borrowed shirt from Damien. Yeah, we learned some of the girl rules, the girl world rules, and mm-hmm. she's very kind of confused about this. And one of them is that she cannot like Aaron because Aaron is Regina's ex, and that's against like the rules of feminism. Yeah, or something. <laughs> or something. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kevin asks her to join the mathletes, so. Every time she brings up math, like somebody else is later on, everybody's like, that's social suicide. Don't do that. (laughs) Katie continues to have a crush on Aaron. Did you know that Tina Fey like casted him because he looked cute like Jimmy Fallon? (laughs) Wait, wait. In IMDb, she says she thought he looked like Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) I did not know this. (laughs) Or maybe I blocked it out. (laughs) but i can actually no i can see that for like early 2000s jimmy fallon right okay sure yeah no never (laughs) mind like i take back my criticism he does not in any way now but yeah okay okay sure Sure. okay (laughs) 
Let's see. Then get in, loser. We're going shopping. <laughs> going to the mall. Mall scene. To the mall. The um, it's supposed to be the the what's that mall in the what's that place? You know, the line is directly in there. I forget, but it's the mall. It's actually the mall in the suburbs that I used to go to with Jimmy. I didn't go to the mall in Chicago. I know it was out in the suburbs. Yeah, there's all these references to all these places around the Chicago area that exist and that I have been to. So, <laughs> yeah, I knew the Walker's Pancake House. I don't know that one. Let's see. Da, 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 da. They see Jason there with his girl, new girl, Taylor. So Regina calls Taylor's mom as Planned Parenthood, Parenthood. to break that up. What do you think this shows us? This shows us that Regina is evil. Evil. But also, she's doing her friend Gretchen. A solid. A solid, yeah. She's loyal and conniving. (laughs) She's evil, but loyal in her evilness. Yeah. As long as you don't stab her in the back. Right. So we go to Regina's house, which is is huge, and we meet her mom, Amy Poehler. (laughs) Who just had a boob job. Right, and there's no rules here. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> this podcast is just, Justine <laughs> awkwardly says all mean girls quotes. <laughs> that she just now understands. Oh, I understood them. I knew them. Now I'm just saying them in order. That's all it is. <laughs> this is the order in which they are presented, not instead of like, bloop, 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 Taco Bell. <laughs> not in a series of gifts. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you had me arrange the movie in gift form, I couldn't do that, you know? Now you can. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Now I'm like, okay, now I know the order of the gifts. <laughs> Let's see. So they go into Regina's room and they show Katie the burn book. Yeah, the burn book is a book that they had been using for a while, but actually haven't touched it in a little bit where they write down insults of all the gals that uh, get on their nerves. <laughs> it's probably something they've had, like they'd started in freshman year and then it became like not mm-hmm. necessary because they were higher up in the, the popularity hierarchy. Yeah. After that, Katie tells Janice about the burn book and Janice is like, you have to steal it. And Katie's like, I can't do that. They would know it was me. Also, Janice is calling her Caddy, which I didn't like. I literally, I thought the end, I thought the end when they make up, Janice was going to call her Katie, like actually call her by actual name. I really would have liked that. I think the thing that's interesting about the Janice character is as much as she's trying to like have a comeuppance to her bully, Mm -hmm. Janice is also a little bit of a bully. You can see why these two were best friends. Mm, mm-hmm. in in middle school yeah we'll get into more of that l- later all right so we're at janice's soap store uh tina fey is there more pressure to join the mathletes at home uh regina calls katie about aaron and says like oh i heard you have a crush on him gretchen told me you admit that you like him blah 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 if that's true i could talk to him for you if you want and she's just like, okay, sure. And then Regina goes, so are you mad that Gretchen told me your secret? And she's like, no, no. You know, I mean, like, I feel like Gretchen just did it for attention anyways. But, oh, it was a three-way call attack. Gretchen was on the line the whole time listening, being like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. Ah! 
I never had this happen to me, but I knew that it it existed. Right. I've also never had this happen to me either. It's too it's I think it's a lot more difficult to do because you could tell back in the day you could tell when there was somebody else on the line because it sounded different not with like cell phones i don't know if that was a thing with cell phones but with landlines you could do it like if somebody else is in the same house you Mm. know but you just kind of hear other background noises and you're like is somebody else on the line you know that would happen a lot (laughs) (laughs) who's there who is on this especially after this movie the paranoia rose mom hang up the phone Mom, hang up. I got it. I got it, Ma. Hang up. <laughs> I'm going to listen in on your boyfriend. <laughs> then it's October 3rd. <laughs> Is this podcast coming out on October 3rd? We should release it on October 3rd. It's coming out the week before. Got it. Got it. Got Let's it. see. Time is traveling a bit faster. She's still crushing on Aaron so much so she realizes that he is dumb in math and perhaps she needs to be dumb in math. But she gets into more of that later. This is just like first kind of insights of learning about this boy. Trying to have something to talk to him. Right. So Aaron invites Katie to a Halloween party and she says that a costume girl rule is that a costume is lingerie plus animal ears and no one can say you're a slut on this day. And she didn't know that. So she dressed really scary. She dressed as a zombie bride. An ex-wife. <laughs> Regina tries to start shit by telling Aaron that Katie is a little girl with a crush but then continues it on and being like, oh, but she is rather obsessed. She's like keeping a tissue that you use and she's writing Mrs. Aaron Samuels all over her notebook. She's like essentially your stalker. Yeah. I mean, but why wouldn't she? You're so incredibly hot. And then kisses him in front of Katie and Katie in her brain calls her a slut. Yeah. And dies and runs out. And she's so very upset, and now she hates Regina. So she goes to Janice, and they form a plan. First part of the plan is pretend nothing is wrong. I like that this gif is now used in reference to taking down a dictator uh, a la Trump. Yeah. I've seen it so many times used to like, what do you do for a a crazy dictator? You cut off their resources. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like... I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. At first, they do a little bit of like sneaky fighting sabotage, but like nothing is working. Regina tells Katie that she used to be best friends with Janice until she started thinking that Janice was a lesbian. Then she cut her off entirely. Because she couldn't have a lesbian at her swimsuit party. Oh, not with all those girls. Um, There's a little bit of candy cane sabotage where... Katie sends candy canes from Regina to herself in front of Gretchen. There's that whole thing. <laughs> two for you, Glen Coco. Two for you. You go, Glen Coco. You go, Glen Coco. And none for Gretchen Wieners. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so this makes Gretchen really upset. And when Gretchen gets really upset, she starts to spill secrets. Now, all Katie needs to do is wait for the right secret Mm -hmm. so she's just biding her time then it's the winter talent show 
Damien sings a lovely rendition of Christina Aguilera's Beautiful. <laughs> I am beautiful. No matter, no matter what, what they say, words can't bring me down. Don't you bring me down today. today. I love that he throws the shoe at Jason's face, too. Like, <laughs> oh, Jason. Got a lot of shit in this movie. Good. He deserved it. Let's see. Gretchen keeps spilling secrets, and then they do the Jingle Bell Rock, which apparently they do every single year. But things go wrong accidentally when Gretchen kicks the stereo in Jason's face, which made me go like, oh! (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I saw that. I don't think I've seen that one. (laughs) Well, that's because Regina made her switch places with Katie so that she's Mm -hmm. no longer the center of attention. Right. But then Katie saves the day by starting a sing-along. This makes Regina a little upset because she's not the center of attention. I feel like Regina can't sing. I feel like Regina has her own sense of insecurities and difficulties Mm -hmm. that we are not privy to as the audience. Mm -hmm. Which is something that I both like and am frustrated by. Ooh, frustrated. Because when I first saw this movie, I absolutely loved Rachel McAdams' performance. I thought she was perfect yet subtle Mm -hmm. in her maniacalness. Like, of course, she's also way over the top and everything. But she had this, like, almost... As somebody who has rage issues... (laughs) Mm-hmm. I connected with that on on a weird level. I feel like like there's there's something about her that she's she's very angry about. We don't know what it is, and that's never really addressed or explored. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's because she feels like she didn't get the attention that she she deserved, or because her mom isn't a mom and she's never really learned how to handle her emotions, that she's stuck in the toddler phase where you know you. You demand what you want yeah. and Gimme. you throw the yeah, you throw these hissy fits. So there's that interesting like dynamic that I feel like should be explored more. I know later on we are told in voiceover that she does get the help that she needs and she does find a way to channel her her anger and people aren't f- afraid of her, so therefore they don't let her go overboard. But I would have liked like a, a scene just to give Rachel McAdams something else because she was she was just so good. She was mm-hmm. way better than the material that they gave her. Not to mm. like not any knock on Tina Fey's material or the movie itself. I just feel like Rachel McAdams brought something to Regina George that we're still talking about years yeah. later because yeah. she's still it's still so relevant. Because I feel like we talk about Regina more than we talk about Katie nowadays yes i agree with that 100 percent. so there's something there that i would that rachel mcadams may know she may have done the meryl streep thing and had a secret about regina that that's what she was using maybe to channel her performance i like regina george because she's confident and upfront you know it's always presented that she's sneaky but i feel like she's never sneaky <laughs> Well, she's sneaky in the fact that she's unpredictable. Right, yeah. But it's not like she doesn't play like a real long game, you know? No, no. But that goes back again to like the toddler situation. She is literally a grown-up toddler. 
she is throwing a fit because she's not getting the attention that she thinks that she deserves. But she's smart about the fits that she throws. Yes, yes. But she is a smart person. Mm -hmm. It's it's an interesting character dynamic of, and especially because this comes from a parenting book, which I just still absolutely love. There's that whole idea of she's using her potential for such wrong things because she's never been taught how to direct it. She's yeah. she's smart. She's independent. She's, you know, driven and willful, but she lets the those thoughts get to her to the point where explosions happen and no yeah. one has told her or had her stop in any way. Like teachers haven't had her obviously stopped her or anything because they're afraid of her. They're afraid of her one, her power, because her parents are obviously, you know, very wealthy in in Chicago. And probably they have just paid off a bunch of people. There's no one stopping her. She's surrounded by yes men, especially mm-hmm. the mom who just wants to be relevant. Yeah. There's like a whole interesting dynamic about Regina George that I, I really like. Yeah, I agree with that. So... At this moment when she's kind of upset about what just happened on stage, she takes it out on Gretchen and says, stop trying to make fetch happen. (laughs) It's never going to happen, Gretchen. Gretchen is completely come undone and tells Katie that Regina cheats on Aaron. We should all just stab Caesar. (laughs) She's gone completely unhinged. So they... Try to get Aaron to get to the place and stumble upon Regina cheating on him, which is in the projection room above the, the auditorium. auditorium. Another form of sabotage that sticks is Katie giving Regina the weight gain bars. So that is happening. At this time, we see a shift in Katie where she's buying into it more. She says she can't stop talking about Regina and she can hear like people getting bored of this. She's specifically like when she's hanging out with Janice and like Janice is trying to invite her to an art show. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I can't. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, something, something, Regina. <laughs> and I think that Janice has a little part to play in that, that she also didn't acknowledge or recognize. Big yes. Big yes. (laughs) Uh, So Katie pretends to be bad at math. So Aaron will tutor her. And at this tutoring session, they end up smooching. And he's like, whoa, I can't. I can't do this. And he's she's like, why do you like her? And he's like, why do you? You're best friends. She's like, "Ah, she's cheating on you. So Aaron breaks up with Regina. So, uh, let's see. Katie talks to Karen. Karen says she's psychic. Her boobs are psychic. Yeah, her yeah, her boobs tell her when it's raining. Raining. <laughs> I love her in this. I love the that she's so incredibly different than what she is now. I want more of her. I know she's so good. <laughs> Not enough of her. Let's see. Okay, so there's the last part of the plan. They set up fake nominees for spring fling queen Mm -hmm. (laughs) infiltrated by Damien. So the nominees end up being Regina, Gretchen, 
Janice and Katie. <laughs> Damien, you weren't supposed to put me in. I didn't. I didn't. You were nominated. <laughs> this reminds me, I was like, is there a specific reason why they had an overt reference to never been kissed in this? Did they? Yeah, with like the, the crying girl during the apology who looks exactly like Drew Barrymore and oh, like she doesn't yeah. even go here. Like there's nothing else about that. She doesn't even go here, girl, except for I'm like, okay, so direct reference to Never Been Kissed? Why? Paying homage to Chicago rom-coms? I guess. I don't know. It's one of those things I was like, oh, okay, this line that's huge has a reference that has no meaning at all. I didn't feel like it was out of place. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, I get it. The film has, this film has very, very much never been kissed vibes. Like, the girls feel like the girls in that movie. They also feel a lot like the girls in Jawbreaker. Jawbreaker was, like, the teen movie from when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, like, the whole, like, infiltration aspect yeah, as well. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Yeah. So I can definitely see the homage. I'm just like, why was it, why, why so big <laughs> of a deal? I will have to look into that more. Thank you. Because I didn't really think about it that way. Okay, so Tina Fey, she's the teacher. I always forget her name. I'm just calling her Tina Fey. <laughs> Ms. Norbury. Ms. Norbury. Norbury. She gives back the quiz, and she's failing it. And she's like, hey, I know that you're smart because your work is right, but your answers are wrong, and boys aren't worth it. Stop making yourself look dumb. I'm divorced. (laughs) Eating donuts in the middle of class. And then like, well, yeah, she's like, I'm a pusher. I pushed my husband to go to law school. Now I'm pushing you to do this right. So then Katie takes that and goes to Regina's and complains to the plastics being like, oh, oh, Miss Nurburn says she's a pusher. She's a pusher. And they're like, what, like a drug pusher? Like, yeah. Write it in the burn book. (laughs) Do it. And then so like Katie has this line, which I'm going to butcher because I don't remember exactly. She's like, I was acting like a bitch because I I was was acting. Bitch. Yeah, I was being a bitch. Like she's got this outside view of herself of like, why am I doing these things? I really am doing these things. It's not an act anymore. I think that's why I've always thought that it was either like her confession or she was like in therapy or Mm something like there's something. Yeah, she's at the point where she's like, I really am drinking the Kool-Aid and loving it. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe it's like she gets this sort of self-freedom doing it like this or like acting like this in a way that she's never gotten to act before. Mm hmm. I don't really know really why she does it, what pleasure she gets out of it. Well, I think there's this feeling that she's included yeah, in something because we don't really see her her life in, in Africa, but we do know that she's homeschooled. We do know that she's kind of always been insulated mm-hmm. in, in her life. And now she's like in the bigger, the girl, the girl world. She's in the girl world. And that is much bigger than her world. Yeah. And so now, you know, it's like a lust for, for power. It's like once you've got a little taste of it, you you start to kind of become addicted to it. There's a slight addiction to the fame. I, okay, I feel like I can get it thinking of it that way because I feel like she's 16, she's already grown up 
forming her own opinions on the on things so like why is she so easily influenced now like what makes her so because she's never had to to in, to insulate herself from that before like if you're never if you've never been exposed to it it is like culture shock you don't necessarily know what it is and if you're having these people push you and feed you oh, this is good, this is, like, who you should be, this is what we aspire to be, oh, people look up to me, you start to believe that those stories that these people are telling you. Yeah. It's almost like she's reverse gaslit. Yeah, and her crush on Aaron is her very first crush. Yeah. And it's intense. Yeah. So I think she's also kind of doing whatever can be done to feed those feelings as well. Because they're positive feelings. Yeah. Maybe there could have been a little bit more association of that, of like, oh, Aaron was into Regina. Now I'm acting like Regina. Ergo, Aaron will be into me. I can see that. I think it's the whole package, though. I think it's yeah. less about Aaron. Because during this this section, this montage, we also have a little montage with other girls in in the school talking about how how they look up to Katie. So I saw that Katie Heron girl uh, wear, wear army pants and flip-flops. So I went out and bought army pants and flip-flops. There's, there's an innate, like, it's like an influencer culture. Like, oh, it's the beginnings right. of it. So there is that need to constantly keep going and keep going and maintain that. But also when you take a step back, it's like, I don't need to do anything special to feel special. Yeah. So I think that that's what this is trying. It's It was trying to hold, like, stave off influence or culture, but it also didn't help. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like at some point I've wanted more of, like, a clear motivation of, like, why. But, I'm, I mean, I do get it. Somebody, you don't even know why. You're just doing yeah. it with it and you're just going with the Especially flow. with it when you're young. Yeah, especially then. Uh, okay, so Katie commits her own phone sabotage with the gals spreading between the two lackeys that, you know, Regina hates them. <laughs> yeah, she's turning them. Mm-hmm. So Regina shows up to school wearing sweatpants and sits down at lunch. And so, Regina, you can't sit with us. <laughs> you can't sit with us! You're breaking the rules. So now Katie is the new queen bee. Because she's turned them. Uh, she gets out of going to Madison with her parents. And she says, I have learned to manipulate everyone. And so that leads to her putting together a party and inviting Aaron to it. But then it turns out to be a big, big bash out of her control. And then Katie keeps getting more drunk at the party because she's looking around for Aaron and getting frustrated and just taking shots and shots and shots. Regina shows up uninvited. Do you think she knew that the punch was alcoholic? I think so. And I think she was taking other smaller shots before before she went to the punch. I don't there's just this interesting parallel between when she goes to Regina's house for the first time and Amy Poehler gives her the the drinks that look like they're mixed drinks and she's like is there alcohol in this and she's like no, but you can drink. And then later on it's almost like she's still she's still trying to maintain, you know, the innate goodness of goodness mm -hmm. in quotation marks of herself. Yeah, but now she's had a complete transformation. She's wearing like that tight, tight tube dress, which is too small for her with like her bra sticking out, her hair done, teased up. That's you true. Know. 
She's completely not the old Katie. <laughs> Aaron goes up to Katie's room, finds her. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm done with uh, Regina. Definitely done with all those liars. And Katie's like, I would never lie to you. <laughs> I did lie to you once, but you're like, you're so going to laugh. Yeah, I'm failing math. I'm really good at it, though. <laughs> you're really bad at it. <laughs> and he's like, that's stupid. Why would you do that? I like you. Yeah. And he's like, you're just like her. Bum, bum, bum. And she pukes on him. Yeah. yeah. And he leaves immediately. Yeah. As yeah. you should. She runs outside to try and get him. But Janice shows up and yells at Katie and tells her that she is plastic. She is officially plastic now. And she's a mean girl. You she's a are bitch. a mean girl. Yeah. <laughs> and she throws a painting at them. It's the three of them together. That's beautiful. Yeah. I didn't know they were so close. They never spent any time together in this movie. <laughs> no, they did. There's... But there's never, like, a down-home scene where they're not talking about Regina or the plastics. That was the whole reason why Janice wanted to be Katie's friend in the beginning. But then I think that there is a shift later on where Janice is like, no, that's, like, that's exactly like Regina, and I should not have done that. I don't get that from Janice. It's my, like, main problem with the movie. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> If it was a deleted scene, I'm like, oh, you wanted to keep the time of the movie, but no. <laughs> Maybe it was. I, I mean, there's also a deleted scene from the dance. Let's see. Okay, so now now is when shit goes down. Like now. Mm -hmm. right, now. now. right now. Right <laughs> now. Robert Mueller has given his report. It's in Congress's hands. <laughs> Bitch is going down. Yeah. <laughs> So right after Regina learns from her boyfriend that the bars she has been chowing down on nonstop are for weight gain, she screams. She doesn't stop screaming. She goes home, takes the burn book, and writes the, the caption, like, do not trust this girl. She is a fugly biatch, whatever. <laughs> this is a toddler meltdown to me. Mm -hmm. Like, she is two years old. She's screaming her head off. She's And no one's doing anything. No one's coming to her. No one's, like, asking her if everything's okay. Like, she has terrible parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, she puts her own photo in the burn book. And this was spoiled for me probably on Twitter. Yeah, because in the movie, it assumes you think that she's going to write the burn book message about Katie. Katie. But no, she's thinking ahead. See, I am also terrible. The second time that I watched this movie, I made sure to pay attention to the surrounding things. And you can actually see that Katie's picture is still on the floor. And it's obviously Regina's thing when they go to the wide. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So she takes the burn book and she gives it to the principal. And then Katie gets called to the principal office with Karen and Gretchen. And while they're getting in trouble for the burn book... Regina takes copies of the book and puts them all over the school. Mm -hmm. So then this riot starts happening with all the junior gals fist fighting each other, essentially. <laughs> and so like while the meeting is happening and then the principal goes out and yeah, 
pulls. I did not leave the south side for this. This is perfect. This is perfect. (laughs) He really came into the movie at this point. Like before, he was just like, "Oh, hey guys, hi," and now he's just like got his baseball bat and he takes his shirt off and he's just like, "Like, yeah, (laughs) bitches be crazy." Yeah. So he has all the girls go to the gym for an impromptu, you know, teaching session. Yells well, at them. I think we also need to point out, because we haven't pointed it out before, that Katie has been, we do get to see, like, these flashes into Katie's imagination with mm-hmm. the differences between girl world and animal world. And that's how they've kind of been explaining the manipulation and the subtlety with, with, young, with young girls. Because girls are more psychological than boys, which boys are typically more physical in mm-hmm. their their attacks. Right. Um, yeah. When Katie comes out into the hall and sees all of these girls fighting in the hallway, like the result of what she herself has manipulated to happen. Right. Yeah. She tries to to turn off the jungle world. The animal world and it doesn't happen yeah and that's i think you finally see her being like oh fuck what did i do right yeah and this is another thing another lesson also pointed out in janice's song in the musical where she sings about you want us to act ladylike and this is what happens mm-hmm. <laughs> well because i think that there's this weird thing about ladylikeness where it's that whole, it also falls back on just children in general. We we tell children, or we did, they are to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. So they are not allowed to express their feelings. They are not allowed to, to do this. And I think that we we have a lot of different media that, that centers around this theory, this damaging theory that has really hurt a lot of children. Like we have It, which also talks about children not dealing and expressing their pain and and what their trauma essentially we have mean girls i feel like there's a couple others that i have now forgotten yeah so like the principal puts miss norbury in charge and there's the whole scene where they're like she's like raise your hand if you've ever been victimized by regina george which i was like that didn't really go anywhere but whatever it's iconic because regina said that there's no click problem i think it's just the answer to that mm-hmm yeah. Well, I think it's it's also recognizing that the teacher, like that the adult world did understand what was going on a yeah. little bit. Yeah, that's true. Katie lies to Ms. Norbury and says that there's nothing that she needs to apologize for. But then everybody else has written apologies. So when Janice steps up, she's very upset with Katie still for like getting out of this, essentially. Mm-hmm. J- Katie doesn't want to spill the beans because then that would put the burn book all on her and she doesn't want to be in charge of all of this happening. <laughs> but um, Janice gets up, spills all the beans about what happened. About She's like, oh, hey, so my friend, you know, decided to fake be friends with Regina George and manipulate her and uh, thus manipulate all you guys. That's what Katie did, which Janice doesn't take blame for it there either. <laughs> There's an interesting dynamic that wasn't explored mm-hmm. enough. Regina gets upset about this, runs out. Katie follows. Regina starts bitching at her in the middle of the street and gets hit by a bus. As you do. As you do. It was foreshadowed twice in the movie. Mm-hmm. I also just like that it's a metaphor, that it's something that Regina cannot manipulate her way out of. Right, yeah. 
and everybody thinks that Katie pushed her in front of the bus. <laughs> and her own parents don't even know who she is anymore. Well, where were you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Parents disappear. <laughs> Look what happened. <laughs> Back at school, Katie is ostracized again, and we get a little bit like the beginning of the movie where she's got to, like, eat in the bathroom, all that. Katie says, you know, when you get bit by a snake, you got to suck out all the poison. So I just have to suck out all the poison in my life and deal with it. What do you think the poison is? I think it's all, like, the rumors and the badness, you know, spreading the lies. I think this movie essentially comes down to rumors. I think it's putting the burden of who you are on everyone else's opinion of you. Mm. Yeah, I think that's strong in there as well. She apologizes to Ms. Norbury, says that she made up the thing about the drugs. Ms. Norbury says, well, your punishment is you got to join the mathletes. So she joins the mathletes with Kevin G in the power of three. Yeah. <laughs> So while everybody else is getting ready for the spring fling, Katie's got a mathlete meetup. The competition happens. It's a tie. So the final tiebreaker at the mathletes, the guys all pick the girls to go head to head. And so like Katie has this epiphany when she looks at her opponent and she's like, well, making fun of her won't stop her from winning. So while she's thinking this, thinking this, her opponent says an answer and she's like, oh, shit, I lost it. But the answer is wrong. So now <laughs> if Katie gets the right answer. She'll win the competition. So she's got to think about it. She's thinking about it. She's like, oh, crap. That was the day that Aaron got his hair cut. What was on the board behind Aaron? And then she gets it, gets the answer, wins the competition. Yeah. Like the men did not think that the girls would do. Exactly. <laughs> so the whole gang goes to the spring fling with their bombing jackets they're Letterman jackets. Yeah, Letterman jackets. They're awards. They are awesome nerds. <laughs> they get right into the spring fling just as the announcement for King and Queen is happening. And then the king is what's his face? The boyfriend. Shane Omen. Shane Omen. And Katie wins spring fling queen to many people's surprise. She's rewarded for her terribleness. Yeah, they were like, oh, she pushed Regina George in front of a bus. I'll vote for her. Yeah. She makes a speech, she apologizes, and then compliments everybody, and she breaks up the crown. The plastic crown. It's just plastic. Yep. She gives a piece to everybody, gives them compliments, tells them that they look awesome, that they're great, that they're wonderful human beings. After that, after that touching moment, and everybody applauds for her, Katie meets up with Janice and Damien, their friends again, and then Aaron comes over to give her a gift certificate, and he dances with her, and he kisses her. And then everybody dances. And then the epilogue at the yeah. end is, says what everybody got up to in their senior year. Regina channeled her rage into sports, as you said. Karen does the school weather report. The plastics have completely broken up. Gretchen is now the queen bee of the cool Asian girls and is fluent in Vietnamese. Go her. <laughs> and yeah, Katie is just, uh, what's Katie up to? Katie's just chilling. Mm-hmm. She's just being herself. Yeah. She's back to someone who's of balance. She's equilibriumed. Yeah. And Girl World is at peace senior year. The end. The end. There is peace. 
Okay, so I was like trying to wait for her till the end, but I think we've like officially talked about it. I was like, Janice isn't that good of a friend. <laughs> I kept wanting the end for her to apologize and be like, hey, I only became friends with you so I can manipulate someone else, which is also shitty. And also didn't call you by your actual name for the whole year, which I found the most shitty of all. <laughs> okay, Janice has a very interesting, like skewed point of view. I think she was doing that to Katie to toughen her up essentially to be like the world is not perfect she's the flip side of the coin that is regina so regina is actively manipulative Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to to be actively manipulative janice is being manipulative but she's doing it from what she views as a place of good they they both are two sides of the same coin yeah that's where i'm like i respect regina because as Aaron said, like, she's upfront about her hatred of you. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. Like, and, you know, she wants the, the gals to worship her and be around her because she needs them. And I feel like it's known that's the case. I don't know. It's just like, I wish there were something else at the end. I do too. But I think if we're going back, just because I've seen it so many times and I've picked up on a lot of different subtleties and, and also possibly the deleted scenes, I think that. There doesn't need to be a perfect resolution to this because they both are affected by the trauma that Regina has inflicted on their lives. Mm -hmm. Janice, she not only lost her best friend, but she also had to deal with all these rumors about being a lesbian and whether or not she is or isn't, she had her coming out story stolen from her, essentially, if, if that is the case. Or if she's bisexual, or it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for the world to know who you want to fuck. Like, let's just put that out there. So I think that they went about dealing with the trauma, but they also learned from that and and replicated that because they felt like that's the only way that they were going to win because they saw Regina winning. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's good analysis. I thought it was fitting since this movie has such notable quotables that we would do a dramatic reading. Do we rate okay. first or do we game first? We game first. We game first. So, it, actually, now we're going to do dramatic reading. That's that. Okay. Ready? Ready. That one there, that's Karen Smith. She's one of the dumbest girls you'll ever meet. Damien sat next to her in English last year. She asked me how to spell orange. <laughs> that little one, that's Gretchen Wieners. She's totally rich because her dad invented toaster strudels. Gretchen Wieners knows everybody's business. She knows everything about everyone. That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. And evil takes a human form in Regina George. Don't be fooled because she may seem like your typical selfish, backstabbing, slut-faced hoe bag, but in reality, she's so much more than that. She's the queen bee, the star. Those two are just her little workers. <gasps> That was good. That was so good. I was in it. I can read like a nobody's business. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Now uh now it's time to rate this movie. Do it. Should I okay, I'll go first, right? Yeah. I know everybody says it's great, but I think it's great on repeat viewings and I don't have that luxury yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I will watch it again. No problem. I give this movie 3.25 projector rooms above the auditorium. (laughs) Perfect. I am going to rate this movie. 
I'm going to go with like a 4.5. Wow. Lindsay Lohan's upside down in the trash cans. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, I really, I really like this movie. I think that it has one, a lot of really great female representation, not only uh, in front of the camera, but behind the camera. And I think that that's great. And it's kind of like one of the first ones where we've had, you know, a female writer with female editor and a lot of mm-hmm. female assistants. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, it didn't have a female director, but I think he did a really great job of capturing what it is to be a teenage girl in America. I agree. And people see it as Tina's movie. Yeah. Well, Tina had a lot of it. She was also a producer. So mm-hmm. it definitely, I think that this is what gave us Kimmy Schmidt. I straight up will say that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for this episode. We've got some mail. Yeah, Ashley, you got a mail bag. I got a mail bag. This review comes from Allosaurus Rex. That's cool. That's cute. <laughs> uh, it's entitled Funny and Informative. I love when people with a technical perspective discuss a topic that I never really thought about in quotation marks, marks aka rom-coms. It helps to see the film in a completely different way. I really enjoy the cutaways and Ashley and Justine are fantastic hosts. Their friendship, uh, their friendship, what about our friendship? (laughs) Yeah, I know it shines through their friendship shines through and it makes for a fun listen. It's also an informative listen as these two women work in film and discuss aspects of the movies that you may have missed the first time or 10 times, to be honest. Yeah, they make a movie. You've seen a million times seem new again. Aw. Aw. That's totes appropriate for this episode. I know. I feel so <laughs> loved. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Allosaurus. Allison. <laughs> uh, she, that was Allison from Resolved Mysteries podcast. Um, well, next time on the podcast, we'll be watching 2004's Along Came Polly which I am not looking forward to because I have actively avoided this for years. <laughs> <laughs> ben Stiller drops into our life yet again. Yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Ben. Well, if you like this podcast, why not you become a patron for our Patreon? You will get lots of goodies, lots of behind the scenes um, information and um, some exclusive merch that only Patreons get. They are almost always handmade, and we put lots of love into them. So we've been running our Patreon for three years now. Holy shit. Yeah. I wanted to shout out some of our Platinum members who have been with (laughs) us for the long haul. Uh, Four people I want to give shout outs to are Jaslyn, Nicole, Diana, and Serena. So thank you gals for just like hanging out. In the, in the slumber party with in, the, in the blanket fort you know that's yeah, fun know. <laughs> great damn I am super impressed you're hanging in there we love you thank you thank you well if you want to be like them you can find all of this information and more for the cutaways podcast patreon at patreon.com slash cutaways podcast you can also find way more information uh, that is free that you don't have to pay for on our website thecutaways.com and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. Please also leave us comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite pod 
Ketcha and be like Allison and be read on air. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. I we got to we got to go do stuff and get out of this goddamn heat wave. Heat wave. Heat wave. On the island in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us in the blanket fort. We've we've enjoyed your presence here and very hope much to see so. you next time. Bye. Bye. Yeah, Jingle Bell Rock. Oh. <laughs> Hi everyone. We're your beer drinking babes. I'm Ashley. And I'm Naggy. And we're from Rock Candy Podcast. Every week we bring you a story from the world of music while drinking thematic beers. Did you ever wonder how much Charles Manson inspired the music you love today? Did you know that Joy Division and New Order are virtually the same band? Are you aware of how weird Kesha really is? Like how she had sex with a ghost? Do you also not understand what Post Malone is? Because we don't. Well, we got you covered. Behind the Music isn't around anymore, but we're here to pick up the slack. And be a little drunker. Yeah, so go ahead and look for Rock Candy Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you catch your pods. And with that, party on, kids. Party on.